0: That has demonstrated the love of God to us it's put in the past tense see the love that God has lavished on us so something has happened in the past so that we can enjoy the love of God now so one of the things that's happened is recognition if you go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 you see that sorry chapter 1 and verse 4 Ephesians 1 verse 4. You see that expressed. He chose us in Him in Christ before the creation of the world. Among other things, what that verse is telling us is that God has always known us. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. It's telling us that God has always known us. Now people love recognition. They clamor for it. You might be to think of certain political leaders at this time who clamor really for public recognition. Or think about celebrities. I mean, they just love the recognition that comes to them. And even preachers can be a bit prone to that as well. I have seen sometimes a preacher who's received a tweet saying, Thank you so much for your great preach this morning. And the preacher has then retweeted it. I'm thinking, My word, you know, we've got to be a bit careful here. Uh, We love recognition. Well, the fact is that God has recognized us. He knew us before we knew ourselves, and we can't be more recognized than that. Uh, We may live in a a world, in a community, in a society that generally very few know us. They certainly don't acclaim us, but God has always known us, even before we knew ourselves. It's an expression of, of His lavish love. And then, of course, there's action that has taken place. The most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, by the same writer as this particular epistle, says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's again telling us that God did something in the past. He loved us, He recognized us, but also He did something. You know, sometimes you get a celebrity that will address a crowd and say, You know, I love you all. Uh, And they can say the words very easily. They're probably not going to do a great deal, but they, they say the words. But God didn't just say the words. He didn't just think that He loved us. He didn't just say that He loved us. God sent His Son to rescue us. Christ's death on the cross is the supreme action of love in the history of the universe. God so loved us that He did something. He gave His very own Son to us so that by believing on Him, we can live with God forever. And God wants us to do that. He wants us to be with Him and enjoy Him forever because of His lavish love. And then again, in the past, God has also adopted us. He's recognized us. He's uh, acted on our behalf to rescue us, but He's also adopted us. Uh, And that comes out very strongly in this verse. This is the perhaps strongest theme of these verses that we're looking at this morning. They're telling us that we are children of God, that we really belong to God. I wouldn't say that I'm a a great animal lover, uh, but occasionally I've looked at a video, perhaps on YouTube, of a dog being adopted, and uh, it's been held perhaps in a kennel somewhere, and somebody goes in and says, yes, I'll have that dog, and the dog always seems to know, and they let the dog out the kennel, and it just bounds up to the new owner and kind of lavishes affection on the new owner. It's just uh, so happy to be chosen and adopted and to now belong. But then I saw another video recently, which was very much more moving. And it was of a young girl, I should think about seven or eight, uh, in America. And she'd obviously been living with some foster parents for quite some time. And it was her birthday. And being her birthday, they had given her a present. And there's the present, which is a huge box. Well, you know, when you're a young child, the bigger the box, the more excited you feel. And so, here's this huge box they've given to her for her birthday. And so, she opens the box, but inside, there's only a single sheet of paper. But when she takes out that sheet of paper, it's the certificate of her legal adoption. And the joy and the tears that flow from that little girl, it really is incredibly moving. She knows that she's loved, that she's wanted, that she belongs. I always feel that adoption is such a special thing. An adopted child, I always feel, is a very special child. We have a lot of adopted uh, children here in Gateway Church. If you have a child by natural birth, obviously you're very excited to receive that child. But in a sense, you get what you get. But it's different with adoption. With adoption, you're saying to a child, I choose you. I deliberately choose you. I want you. And the Bible tells us that God has adopted us. He's lavished his love on us. He wants us. We belong to God. We're a son or daughter of the living God. That is our legal position. It's the lavish love of God. You might also notice here in this very first verse It says, the world doesn't know who we are. You might say, well, yeah, I think they do. My neighbors know that I'm a Christian. But actually, they don't know who we really are. And the reason they don't know who we really are is, as the verse says, because they don't know Christ. If people think of Jesus Christ as a teacher or a great leader or a moral guide, but that's all they think of Him as. They've got it so wrong. Jesus is the Son of God given to this world. He died. He rose again. He ascended back to glory. He's going to return one day, and we belong to Him. That's who we really are. And one day, people are going to know who we really are. It says that in Romans 8 and verse 19. In this great chapter of the Bible uh, where Paul speaks about our assurance of uh, everlasting life in Christ. In Romans 8 and chapter, Romans chapter 8 and verse 19, he says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And one day we are going to be revealed so that all will know who we really are. We are the children of God. God has lavished his love on us. Secondly, uh, these verses say something about the present. It's here in verse 2, and in the first part of that verse, dear friends, now we are children of God. You know, people are very concerned about their identity today. Who am I? And, of course, there's plenty of opportunities these days to kind of trace your ancestors and find out who you really are in terms of uh, where you've come from as far as your ancestors are concerned. And then we have this increased confusion about gender identity today. Who am I? Well, if we're Christians, we can say this. We are children of God. Paul, in his writings, doesn't use the expression children of God to describe the Christians so much as he uses the expression in Christ. But it's, a, it's saying the same thing that we belong, that we're loved, that we are joined to Jesus Christ. Now, here we are under pandemic restrictions. And what the, the scriptures are saying to us here is look, see, we are children of God right now. And I would suggest that there is no better time to celebrate our identity, than to do that right now. Think of the privileges of being children of God. I often think of the privilege of access. I have no means of making any kind of immediate access to the Prime Minister. There is no way that I can get access to the Queen of England by any means that I possibly know. And so, these great figures in the land are always there, and in a sense, I'm under their rule and authority, but I don't really have any access to them. But there is one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who reigns over all history, who is head of the whole universe. And because I'm a child of God, because I'm a son of God, I can approach the throne of God any day, any time, and bring my request to Him who is the living God. It's the privilege of access. And think of inheritance, too. There is a wonderful inheritance which is laid up for us in the age to come. I'll touch on that a bit more in just a moment or two. But we have a wonderful inheritance that is there waiting for us, safeguarded in heaven by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Scripture says, because we are the children of God. So, we have such privileges. We can celebrate that. Also, we can proclaim it that we are children of God. Years ago, I uh, pastored a church in Kent, and uh, I was preaching one Sunday morning. uh, And obviously, I was kind of running this kind of theme. I certainly don't remember the sermon, but I was uh, running, and nobody else does. I don't expect, but I was running uh, this kind of theme. Obviously, and there was a a mother in the congregation and a young boy who would have been, I think, eight at the time. Hadn't gone out to the Sunday school. He was sitting there with her, and obviously, in some way, listening to me preach, and I suggested that it would be a really good thing if every morning that the congregation woke up, each of them, as they woke up, was to say, I'm a child of the King. Well, next Sunday, his mother came to see me, and she said that uh, during the week, uh, her young boy had woken up every morning, he shot out of bed, he'd opened the window of their block of flats and addressed anybody who might be passing at the time, Good morning, I'm a child of the King. Uh, Well, he got the message. I think his mother was slightly embarrassed, but it was a good way to start the day. You know, worship does that. I can declare that I'm a child of God. I think sometimes some of our modern songs can be a bit over-introverted, introspective. Uh, And uh, we might even say that about a song that says, I'm a child of God. We're focusing on ourselves but in fact the scripture says here that's who I am, God says who I am, I'm a child of God, that is who I am and so we have the opportunity and the privilege of being able to proclaim it and then also we can preach it. Every Christian should in some sense be a preacher. I know now that the name may be fading a bit but there'll be some of us that will be very familiar with the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones the greatest British preacher of the 20th century. And uh, when Martin Lloyd-Jones first became a minister of a church in a small town in Wales, he'd never, in fact, preached. Uh, He was uh, a heart surgeon, and he was destined for a really uh, top career as a consultant surgeon. And he felt that God called him to become a preacher of the gospel. And so as they were moving to Wales, his wife said to him, you even know that you can preach? And Martin Lloyd-Jones said to her, I know that I can preach to myself. Well, in later years, as he became the great preacher uh, that he was, he often used to say every creature, every preacher, uh, every Christian should be a preacher in the sense that they preach <coughs> to themselves. And what we should be preaching to ourselves as a congregation of one is, who am I? This is who I am. I'm a child of God right now. And that's because of the lavish love of God. And then thirdly, this passage says something about our future. And we see that also halfway through verse 2. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And this part of the verse is telling us what we will be In the future, it's our hope for the future. At the present time, there's a lot of despair and depression around. People are stretched thin as they consider their education or their job or maybe a lost job, as they worry about their finances, as perhaps people are worried about getting into debt. People are feeling stretched thin at the present time. But the Christian always has an ultimate hope. I don't want to be unreal about this we may have some very tough times ahead of us and let's face that and let's be honest about that but what helps us through is that we have an ultimate hope in 1 peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 8 there's a really glorious verse where peter writes though that you have not seen christ you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Here was a rejoicing congregation, rejoicing because of their belief in Christ. But at the time, they were under severe persecution. How was it that they could express such joy even in a time of trouble and persecution? It was because they had an ultimate hope in the person of Jesus Christ. We need to remind ourselves, I think, that everything must come to an end. Uh, There will be an end to this coronavirus, but in a much, much bigger way, one day even this world is going to come to an end. I know that somehow it's in the modern consciousness that maybe that won't ever happen. After all, the the world has been jogging along for perhaps billions of years and uh, you know, why shouldn't it just uh, keep going and you know, get these uh, people who speak doom and gloom about the coming end of the world, but why shouldn't the world just keep going on and on as it has been perhaps for billions of years? Maybe right now it's a little bit easier to think that the world could come to an end as we think of a pandemic that spreads across the nations and killing hundreds of thousands of people. If we think of a nation like North Korea, this was rather covered by the news on COVID-19, but I wonder if any of you picked it up a couple of weeks or so ago. There was a huge military parade in North Korea very early one morning, and the military experts looking at that parade said North Korea is getting to a point where it clearly will be able to, to deliver multiple nuclear Warheads on one missile to any part of the world. That is quite a scary thought coming out of North Korea. And then there's climate change. We're also familiar with that at the present time. We're just going to boil ourselves to death or burn up the planet totally as time goes on. Even atheistic scientists, and let me be clear, by no means are all scientists atheists, but even atheistic scientists Say there will be an end to the world, that the sun will burn out and the world will simply enter an eternal frozen night. Uh, It's not going to happen for billions of years, probably, so don't lose any sleep over it, but they are suggesting that definitely the world will come to an end. Well, we have an answer for everything. We know some things and we know how it will end. Here in verse 2, it says, when Christ appears. We know that Christ will come again. That will be the end of history as we know it, and the beginning of the eternal age. And because that is what we know, it is our ultimate hope. We are children of God right now, but the Scripture says here, we are not what we will be. Because, my friends, we are going to upgrade we're going to become like Him. We're going to enter a different dimension. We're even going to be re-embodied. I love this scripture in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21, where Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we really belong. We are citizens of heaven. We eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our present lowly bodies into the likeness of his own glorious body. We're in some way going to be made like the body of Jesus when Jesus comes again. And it won't be a passive time. There'll be no more suffering and no more death, but it won't be passive. There will be forever the adventure of worship and exploration of the infinite riches of christ see the love of god the ultimate hope we have as children of god so i close with verse three just read the sentence really and make just one comment all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure let's remind ourselves that salvation can't be purchased. It can't be achieved by our good efforts. It can't be worked out by ourselves. We can't actually achieve or buy salvation in any way. We must get that clear into our minds. When we recognize the grace of God in giving to us salvation, it's then that we want to live it out. It's not that we live it in order to achieve salvation. It's not to make ourselves acceptable to God, it's because we are accepted by God that we want to live out a life that brings honor and glory to Him. So, this morning, let's look, let's see the glory of the gospel. Please don't just look at the pandemic. Look up and see the lavish love of God. Just last night, I was reading a book and it said if you look at some of the older members of your congregation, you might ask, why is it that they've been able to stand for so long? And uh, this writer said, maybe it's because they don't just know that Jesus loves them, but they felt the love of Jesus. I want to say this morning, I'm one of the older members of the congregation, and I say amen to that. I felt the love of Jesus, the love lavish love of God, which means that we are children of God, that we have an ultimate hope. This is the time, my friends, during this coronavirus, to put our faith to work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we have scriptures that help us to raise our sights. Uh, Remember last week, all eyes on Jesus. He is the exalted risen king and today we continue with that theme really and we seek to put our eyes upon the glory of the gospel that because of the lavish love of god we have been made children of god adopted into your family lord and it's children of god that we really are right now and with an ultimate hope that one day jesus will return to transform us into the likeness of himself that we might forever live and reign with jesus father We're not unreal. We know that there can be tough times ahead. And Father, during these tough times, we do pray for our nation. We pray for a nation that's bewildered and confused and feeling thin, that people might consider the gospel and the nature of eternity. We pray, Father, for those in authority over our nation. And however we may feel about some of the decisions that are sometimes made, we know they have an immensely difficult job. And rather than criticize, this morning we choose to pray. And Father, we ask that you will give wisdom to our Prime Minister and to his cabinet, to those that have authority, to those that are scientifically able to advise the, the government, to all those involved at this time to help lead us through. We pray for wisdom and grace that comes from the God of heaven. Save our nation, Lord, from this pandemic. But Father, we pray that more fundamentally, you will save our nation into a knowledge of the lavish love of God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're just going to respond to